You better prepare for this one. Why? You may think you know everything. He's an idiot. But I'm here to spill the truth. And I don't miss. History part of This is the tantalizing truth. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 13 of The Tantalizing Truth. Nick Fada and Thomas Silo here on hand. It is a um, pretty slow and tiring Friday. Uh, we just finished midterms, and um, we're happy to be talking sports. Nick, uh, Nick, how are you doing today? Good. It's a pretty gross day for any New Englander. Um, I know some places got snow. We didn't here at Fordham. Unfortunate. I would have rather that than rainy and muggy, but yeah, I'd rather we'll snow. take it. Halloween, Halloween weekend coming up. So, uh, again, great to get through another week to get to the weekend. I don't think anyone's opposed to that, man. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully next week all the, a lot of the anxiety is released from the election. So we're also looking forward to that. And we're also looking forward to talking about sports. We're going to jump right in, starting with the Brooklyn Nets making some moves to the coaching staff. Steve Nash has uh, added Ime Udoka, who's a former Miami assistant. And um, this one's really funny. He also added Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach. So the, the coach that once coached the player is now taking a backseat to Steve Nash, and that's D'Antoni. And I find that ironic. I also find it nice that those two have paired up. And now they're on the, uh, on the Nets. So, uh, Nick, my first question that I would like to know is, are the Nets going to play defense this upcoming yeah. season? That's my uh, question. No, I think, I think they will because this is the thing that I think is so cool. It's, it's Steve Nash's team. It's interesting because there's no such thing as an offensive, defensive coach in, in the NBA like there is with football. But maybe that's more of D'Antoni's role. Obviously, Nash is an offensive mastermind in himself. Maybe, that, yeah, maybe that's the role D'Antoni plays because he's, you know, he's so good with that, the seven-second offense. They've got so many – I mean, they have two of the best scores in the game in Kyrie and KD. Um, so the offense will not be an issue. If it is, I would, I will be very confused. Um, the defense, yeah, it could be in question, but at the same time, and Kevin Durant is a great defender when he wants to play defense. And I think he, he will, he, he wants to come back and prove he's still Kevin Durant after missing all last season. And again, it's Nash's team. Steve Nash was an MVP. He played, I don't know, 18 years, 19 years, whatever in the league, longevity, hustle, Everything, I think he's going to really be able to just morph this team together as a unit. I'm, when I saw that they signed D'Antoni, man, I got excited. And I'm, it's, we all know we're Knicks fans, but it's just going to make for, I think, really good basketball coming out of Brooklyn. I, I, my only fear here is that uh, D'Antoni has another mellow situation because the difference between coaching Steve Nash and coaching James Harden is that well, Harden is a transcendent scorer, but he, he still averaged like nine assists, and Nash is a genius when it comes to handling the ball and the way he passed. Mello and Durant and Kyrie now, if you can add him to the list, they are isolation-heavy scorers. They don't really look to pass, and that's why D'Antoni had problems in New York when he was coaching Mello and Amari, and then Chandler came in, and they were, it was just a, a clown show, if you will, for lack of a better term. It, it didn't end well. Um, so that would probably be my only concern with D'Antoni on the roster is going, is that he's going to try and implement his version of the seven seconds. And maybe Nash goes, no, 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 we got to, 
we got to try running this. And there could be some clashing of the egos here, but I think Steve Nash is a pretty level-headed guy. I, I would like to think he knows how to deal with adults. Yeah, that's where I, I got to disagree with you, man. I you think, think they're so? going to be totally... You, you really I, think Nash can't... Well, actually, no. No, sorry. I got to disagree with the point you made before. <laughs> the point you made about uh, the, the two clashing egos. I don't think it's going to happen. I, don't, I mean, maybe, maybe the first few games, but in reality, yeah, it's, it's, I said it before, it's Nash's team, and it's, it's almost uh, the connection between the two guys, obviously, is, is very it's deep. It's been there for years. Yeah. yeah. So, and D'Antoni had had his chance to get to the top as, the, as that main guy. So now I think, you know, he's going to be ready to take a backseat, I think, and he's almost going to be there more as a – I don't know. Um, again, a mentor might be a good, a good phrase because Nash will, I'm sure, have his struggles. He's a first-year coach. He's never done it before. D'Antoni has. So I think that's kind of maybe more of a mentorship role. Yeah, will they clash occasionally? Yeah, I'm sure. Who doesn't? But I, I, think, th- I think they're going to be set, man. I, like, I, when I saw Mike D'Antoni as an assistant, I'm like, that's possible? I didn't yeah, think I know, that was right? going to happen. The same thing when they, the Lakers hired Jason Kidd. I'm like, what the hell? Exactly. You, you get you know? these guys going – but then that's again. That's what you realize. Okay, I need to take a step back. That's what kid needed to. That's what he realized. I hope the same doesn't have to happen for Nash. I mean, but again, with D'Antoni at his side, the two have worked together before. They're working together again, different roles. But you know, it's time to try and figure that out. Will this be able to work now that they're in different roles together? Because it'll be a pretty cool story if you see Nets win the NBA Finals and you, you get a picture of Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni holding the trophy, not as player and, and coach, but as head coach and assistant. That would be awesome, I think. No, that would be a terrible story because it's the Nets winning. Well, can't have that. But listen, if you're telling me, if you're telling me Boston or Los Angeles is going to win it. No, I, I'm just saying because yeah. it's not the Knicks. Well, yeah, of course, but we and all know. Let's be realistic. Brooklynites take over. We don't need that. Get out but, of here. But, but that's the thing. They already have, you don't think they've already taken over, man? Yeah, I know. I've, uh, I'm the Knicks lost are, hope. They're, the Knicks are too <laughs> bad. It's, I'm, I would rather see the Brooklyn Nets win than the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the, the Celtics. I mean, I want yeah, – again, York I, I love the difference, the change. Yeah, and New York needs to have some life in sports again, man. Yeah, we, uh, we have the Yankees out here who still think that analytics work, and they clearly don't. But we can get to that another day. Uh, we got the Jets who are just going to jet. We got the Knicks who are trying, but I can only applaud the effort and not the result that they get. And then we have the Mets who times might be changing for them as Steve Cohen has officially taken over as the majority owner of the team. The MLB had approved it in a vote of 26 to 4, I think. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf being one of the people that he didn't, that was opposed to having Cohen in charge. He finally upheld it. So uh, <laughs> new life has been breathed into the Mets, alas. And as much as people claim the Wilpons really loved uh, the Mets and baseball and they wanted to put a winning product out there, the problem is when you're in a big market like this, you can't exactly spend like a small market team. Yeah. You, know, you can't sign whatever's left of Dan, Daniel Murphy to play second base. You can't really lowball offers at these big-time players and expect to win and then not have anyone in the farm system. You have to build it up, and that's what the, the small market teams too do, and the Mets just couldn't do that because they wouldn't outspend people. 
So now here comes Steve Cohen, who has not been affected at all by the pandemic. He owns billions among billions of dollars. This guy is like probably in the company of, I would say, Steve Ballmer and James Dolan and all of these super rich sports owners. And he's going to start shelling out money. Now, do I think the Mets are going to spend it like crazy people? I, I don't think so. I hope they don't because that would really destroy them. And if they go all in for two years, it would kill them for like 10. So Nick, uh, Steve Cohen's in. Mets finally got rid of the Will Ponds. They've got themselves an owner that's willing to spend money. And do you think that this situation in Queens, in Flushing, New York, will finally start to turn around? Or do you think we're going to be seeing more of the same? I mean, you know, it's, it's, you never know with the Mets, man. They, <laughs> uh, they're just such a wild card literally like if if there if something's going to turn around for them they'll they'll turn into a wild card <laughs> I, I yeah i just don't know they're so i mean at the start of this shortened season people thought oh they had a chance to to make a playoff run and then they finish i literally think they might have finished a game a, a game below or a game above or maybe even 500 um it's just like again what would you rather see as a, as a as a fan at this point because if i'm a, if i were to be a mets fan i would be frustrated as shit at the fact that <laughs> they're either just below par or just average and the change I think I hope Steve Cohen can change around again I'd rather root for a New York team to do well even if it's not mine than any other team um yeah I think again what you said about going all in I think they kind of got to I think they got to test the waters or actually let me run me phrase it like this I wonder if they go all in and test to test the waters will there be any takers with them I don't know because people want to play for the Mets yeah, Just like how thing. no one wants to play for the Knicks, you know? That's the thing, because no one's building through free agency, especially exactly. in baseball, because there's exactly. no cap. You can't do it. It's not like – and baseball's not like the NBA, where um, the Clippers win 48 games in the West, but they're the eighth seed, and then you plop mm-hmm. Kawhi and Paul George, and they're instantly a top yep. five, three team in the NBA. Yeah. Playoffs is a different story. Well, baseball, you need to accumulate talent over time. And there's a couple of strategies you can go. The first one is trading away, I would say, a player like uh, Joanna Cespedes. Or, um, I don't know, do you give away Edwin, Edwin Diaz? Do you, do you trade Conforto for prospects who could probably be better than him? I don't know. There's a lot of avenues they can go. But you have to accumulate talent in, in bunches. You can't. You can't get one or two guys. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. Yeah. And you look at their pitching staff, other than DeGrom, who was probably, no, not probably, is by far and away the best pitcher in all of baseball, in my opinion. That's yeah. coming from a Yankees fan. Um, who else is behind him? I mean, Porcello was atrocious. Mats was, was horrid. He got moved to the bullpen. He was so bad this year. Um, Stroman sat out. I don't think, I don't know if he's going to go back. I don't know who else they have. And I mean, their bullpen, Seth Lugo, he, he's fine. Dylan Batances, a former Yankee, he was blah. And then Edwin Diaz, who is up and down. He wasn't too bad this year, but it's 60 games. So it's hard to judge what you really have. Yeah. Um, if I were the Mets under new ownership, I would probably want to play it safe. I would probably get for the quality, first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Play it safe for a couple of years. You got You got to put together... Okay, we got Pete Alonso, um, we got Conforto, Nimmo, and then you plug in whoever at, let's say, I don't know, third base, right? Because ever since David Wright's left, they really haven't been able to fill that in. 
and JD Davis would be their DH if they're going to keep universal DHs. I guess you go and play it safe. You get players you can count on. That's probably what I would do. And I would mainly focus on their pitching because I'm a big pitching guy and I don't believe you can win without great pitching. And you go back, I'm going to actually really throw this one back. The 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks with Randy yeah. Johnson and Kurt Schilling. I mean, just having those two alone is probably better than the best five-man rotation in baseball even today. Yeah. So I think that's what the Mets should do. You can't really build through free agency. You need to go out and find your prospects. But if you need to have a security blanket, I guess you just sign reliable arms. And we look at Masahiro Tanaka as a free agent coming from the Yankees, and he got an offer to go back to Japan. Nick, I don't know. Do you think the Mets are going to scoop up the Yankees' scraps, or are they going to look to pave their own way? Uh, I mean, listen, yeah, there's a chance, dude. I, <laughs> I don't know. What, yeah, it's, it's weird because I don't know what approach I would take as the Mets. Um, I think you play it safe for a little bit, but at the same time, like, you, playing it safe does you really no good, but risking it also, spending a lot of money also could potentially do you no good. I don't know, a guy gets hurt for a season or uh, he doesn't – like, Cespedes not playing this season was tough for them. I mean, I think he's kind of dwindling on his, uh, his value. His yeah, value he's on the twilight of his career. But, you know, them, him not playing this year certainly didn't help. As far as going after Tanaka, I don't think that's a good move for them. Uh, I also think Tanaka is not as great as what he potentially could have been for a long amount of time. Um, he was ace level, I think. Well, yeah, that would be interesting too. Um, but he just hasn't been at that ace level really since his first few years with the Yanks. Um, like if you told me Tanaka is our one starter, I said, I would say we're not winning a championship. It's interesting because with the Mets, it's like, again, I really don't know well enough their depth, considering I don't follow them enough. But to go after a guy from the Yanks, again, I mean, you could even throw Batances as an example. Like you said, he was, eh. you know, is it worth? He's good with the Yanks, but now he's just not. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's worth kind of following, chasing a guy like that. Um, yeah, I just don't really think that's, that's the right move in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree. I see where you're coming from. I don't know. It's just the Mets have been pretty bad for a while, other than 2015 when they went to the World Series. And that was um, the biggest choke they could have had, man. If they yeah, won that yeah. one. They, if they won that one, no one would ever be talking about them as a, oh, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. Yeah. It would be the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, there's, there's enough free agents to go around. I mean, you look at Brett Gardner, just from the Yankees alone, Brett Gardner, Jay Happ. Uh, I think they're going to let Paxton walk. Yeah. He was a free agent, but I don't think he's going to leave the Yankees. Yeah, I don't think I he's going he anywhere. He better not go anywhere. For, for their own sake. And then, of course, there's players like Jock Peterson, the big names, George Springer, Lindor, Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, uh, Robbie Grossman. Who else is there? Liam Hendricks, Marcus Simeon. I mean, there's a, a, lot, of, a lot of good names, a lot of quality names, superstar names other than Lindor and, I guess, Bauer and LeMahieu. I don't really know yeah. who else there is that's going to really move the needle. Mike Zanino probably. They, I, I'll bet you I'll bet you the Mets, because the Rays actually <laughs> just got rid of Charlie Morton today. I'll bet you that the Mets will sign Charlie Morton to like a crappy contract, and he's going to turn yeah. in. He'll yeah. seriously return the investment. 
I see them yeah. doing something like no, that. Yeah, again, I think, yeah, you got to throw out some chances. I think if you go into a free agency and don't even test the waters, try and sign anyone, you're crazy. You could be the worst team in the league or the best team in the league or right in the middle. It does not matter. You just got to see because, again, when we got – when the Yankees got DJ LeMahieu, I was like, oh, utility guy, all right, cool. And then all of a sudden he's a batting champ. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's like, sweet, awesome. And he's a guy who, again, I think he's the best – arguably yeah you could argue a lot of guys but I think he's the best hitter on the Yanks why because he doesn't just swing for the fences but so examples like LeMahieu are, are where you kind of have to test those waters and just see yeah all right especially if you are the Mets you have the money now you have exactly. the money especially you have so now you have money the money and if you are a big market team you have to test the waters every year in my opinion this has yeah. been brought up the past couple of yeah. days if you're paying any sort of attention in sports analytics yeah. <laughs> might be worse than COVID-19, okay? What? Kevin Cash uh, made the most brain-dead decision possibly in World Series history, and it's definitely going to be up there if you look back on it when time passes as one of the most idiotic decisions in sports. Pulling Blake Snell, who was, let's remember, folks, a Cy Young winner in 2018 and is still one of the most dominant pitchers, let alone he's a lefty, he was dealing in game six, Nick. He was, this guy was dealing to the Dodgers. And then Kevin Cash was like, nah, analytics say past like, what was it? The sixth, sixth inning. We got to take him out. And what happens? Go ahead. What happens? I was more interested in after the game, reading all the, oh, again, Justin I usually Turner? hate all this, but I, I was more interested in reading all the tweets and, and stuff from, from players, analysts, anyone, any athlete in sports. That was what I was more interested in because there was not one comment saying great move here or not one comment uh, praising the Rays. I mean, it was – and you could even – I mean, there were videos of Snell uh, walking off the mound and you can see him – Screaming. Yeah, he was screaming. He was screaming. Not, not nice words. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, I really <laughs> – it baffles me. Like, I, I have to chuckle at it because it's, it's just like – the saying that I think goes for anything you do, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, well, Blake clearly was not broke. So why are you trying to fix something that was already doing pretty damn fine? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my problem. Um, you know, well, congratulations to the Dodgers. Uh, Corey Sear gets World Series MVP. And, you know, it should be Kevin Cash because he blew it. Yeah, Nick, the yeah. big question that has been revolving around for days now, a couple days now, this has been on first take, get up. Uh, Fox Sports was doing some stuff on it, I think, on Colin Coward's show. There, people are screaming about it on Twitter, but everyone screams about everything nowadays. Have analytics gone too far? Have analytics infected sports and have ruined them? We see it in the NFL, where it used to be more of a run, run game and a grindy run game, and now it's all a passing game. We see it in the NBA, where everyone chucks up threes and I've never I have not seen people take mid-range shots in maybe seven or eight seasons now and in baseball it's all about the home run ball and playing the matchups shifts I don't know how it works in hockey so if anyone wants to tell me please let me know have analytics gone too far at this point have they have they taken over Nick Taken over, no. Gone too far, yes. And, and this is the simplest I think I can put it. So if you work a job, right, 
any, any job in the world, of course, you're going to follow some stats of what has worked and what hasn't, of course. But are you going to base every single decision and move off of that when you are a professional at what you do? I Absolutely wouldn't. not. No. So when it comes to sports and these guys are the best of the best at what they do, whether it be hitting a baseball, throwing a baseball, shooting a basketball, throwing or running a football, you got to let the players do what they're getting paid to do. Professional athletes need to do what they are paid to do. Not following statistics the entire time. Should they be involved? Absolutely. If they're not, you're insane because why would you not follow? Why would you not pitch? Uh, I don't know. Pitcher a who throws to Gary Sanchez and he bats 100 off of him. Exactly. When pitcher B throws to Gary Sanchez and Sanchez hits 750. Right. So those are the decisions. Okay. Obviously analytics are good for a very solid reason, but to base every decision off that, I mean, come on. And that, and Blake Snell's, Taking out Blake Snell was the worst of the worst that we've seen from that. So ruined is a far too strong word. Affected in a not a great way, I think, is what I would say. Um, analytics are great in a lot of ways, but they also are just not good in a lot of ways. They, they hurt the game. Um, they hurt teams, as the Rays can, can uh, strongly testify to now. So they haven't ruined it, but they definitely need the – I think they should be dialed back a little bit. The Rockets as well, yep. Same We're thing. definitely missing uh, one more. Football, I think, is the least affected, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah I would agree. Because yeah. what I actually like is more teams go for it on fourth down now rather than punting. Um, I think that makes the game more entertaining. But what doesn't make a, a, a baseball game more entertaining is when you, I don't know, when you're taking out a pitcher every batter and you're out of wait and sit through a commercial or you pinch hit a guy who hasn't seen an at-bat since the, before the playoff started and he goes up and looks at two strikes and strikes out. Mike Ford, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> but, oh, my God. You know, it's stuff like that, man, where it's just like, really? This is how you're going to base that? But uh, they aren't bad for the game, but they have not been uh, statistically great recently. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, but I, – I mean, I, look, look, in a short series, especially like this, and this is so imperative – the and the Yankees do this too. You can't outslug teams. Yeah, you can do it in 162 games when you're playing the freaking Baltimore Orioles, who are like the worst team that ever exists in the history of sports existence. But in a short series, you have to rely more on the eye test and feel and logic, and you have to rely more on trust. And sure, numbers will help you, I guess, make a better decision. But when you're solely basing your decision off of numbers and nerds in a room on computers, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Nick, you played high school baseball. I played basketball in high school and ran track. Yeah. When was the last time you saw nerds who had the bowl cut, wore overalls, had calculators and bow ties and clipboards writing math numbers down, go out and strike out a guy in the last inning of your championship game in the district or hit the game-winning shot or win the 200-meter in the States. When was the last? Yeah, obviously, obviously never. Obviously never. It's, it makes no sense to me that yeah. analytics are even here. I think they're ridiculous. I think they are a disease that needs to be eradicated. Uh, Dr. Fauci, I'm looking at you. And I think that the way they were, were fine. I don't know why everyone's become obsessed with efficiency and 
all these made up stats like did you know that marcus smart is the greatest three-point shooter uh, on Wednesday, yeah, in the months of december on saturday nights when he wears the green like where did you come yeah, up with yeah. seriously what are these made-up statistics you gotta you gotta stick to the yep. basics and how the game is supposed to be played it's like if you brought george washington back from the dead right you like brought him back fdr abe lincoln and you show yeah. them this is america's democracy and here are the people that in charge they would laugh at you they would laugh yeah. at you like this isn't what we designed it to be this isn't yeah. what baseball has been designed to be or basketball football hockey or tennis or any of these sports they're not designed to be run by nerds it's run by grinding in the gym practicing for hours on end focusing training your eyes training your body training your mind perfecting well, even your craft what i think we could leave that is michael jordan jerry Krause. Yes. Jordan hated Krause because Krause gave more credit to the front office than he did to his players. Yes. That's not true. Did the front office set it up? Yeah. But did they go out and play? No. It's no. that simple. It's yes. that simple. Yes. It it's is the simply people that, that are simple. on the floor doing what they're paid to do. Yep. What everyone goes to. No one goes to the game to see Jerry Krause <laughs> shoot on a little tyke's hoop. <laughs> he can't even like touch Michael Jordan's hip. He was so short. <laughs> Jerry Krause. Like no one goes to see Jerry Krause. People went to see Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. You go to the Knicks games. You went to see Mello. You went to see Pat Ewing. You went to see yep. Clyde Frazier. You go to Yankees games. Who do you go to see? You go to see A-Rod and Jeter. You get to see uh, 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 Roger Clemens, for God's sakes. You go to the U.S. Open. Who you go to see? Serena Williams, Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal. You don't go to see Brian Cashman, who looks like <laughs> Palpatine in the booth. You don't go to see, like, Marv Albert. He's not playing. He's just speaking. You go to see the people on the floor. How did the math – like, no one cares. Yeah. How do they pl- – I want to see p- people play, not math. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. Again, it is it is that simple. It is that simple. I know. <laughs> I know. I know I'm screaming, but I like, know you love. I, I know you love the rant about it. I know me. It, it gets. It gets to you. It gets to me as well. But I've I've realized that at the end of the day, if you want to waste a championship chance because you don't want to let your guys do it, that's not my problem. That's, that's on not, you. You know, it let the let the kids play. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that's that the, was I, again. I could go on and year. on with these simple sayings, but there's no reason. It is that easy to to figure out. But that was the White Sox model. But I get year. it. I get it. Sometimes you're in a hot seat position wise. It's tough to make a decision on on where to go, who to go to in a certain situation. But sometimes you got to just sit back, trust your gut, let it go. That's that's all there is to that, man. All right, it's time for the week eight picks, where Nick and I try to predict. Who is going to win the games in week eight? We always exclude the Thursday night games because our recording schedule does not allow for that, for us to talk about it. So uh, good luck to the, uh, to the Thursday night participants. Uh, let's jump right into it. First game on the list is the Vikings versus the Packers. I'm going with the Pack here. Big division game for us. We're going to attempt to hop the Bears here. So I'm going with the Cheese. Yeah, I got the Packers too. Coming off a great week against the Texans last week, they're going to hopefully stay hot, take down that division rival over in Minnesota. So Green Bay's taking this one. Titans versus the Bengals. Titans coming off an entertaining game. They lost to the Steelers, but looking for some revenge here this week versus uh, sleepy Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So I'm going with the Titans here. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the Titans, yeah, tough, tough loss against the Steelers. Um, but again, it was a battle of undefeated teams. Someone had to lose it. Bengals just aren't good enough, I don't think, to really compete ready. with the Titans. They're not ready. Yeah, I think that's the right word. So with that, I got Tennessee. Jets, Chiefs, Chiefs. Yeah. Move Next. On. <laughs> uh, Colts versus the Lions. This is going to be an interesting game. Uh, a pretty good offense versus a, a super underrated defense. Colts fresh off of their bye week. Kenny Galladay had another game where he had over 100 yards for the Lions. And uh, DeAndre Swift and Marvin Jones stepped up last week versus the Falcons. So um, I'm actually going to go with the Lions here. I think they're going to be able to pull this one off versus the Colts. I'm going opposite. I got the Colts. I think it's two teams who are kind of in the middle of the pack-ish slash maybe above average in terms of, of talent. But I like the Colts defense, man. I've, I've been rocking with them all season. Um, so Indianapolis taking this one. This is probably going to be the game of the week. Yeah. Steelers versus the Ravens. This is one primed uh, matchup between two great teams. we got the Ravens, who are a run-dominant team. And then we got the Steelers who have a defense that is equipped to stop the run. Um, I'm going with the Steelers here. I think they're going to keep their undefeated streak alive. I don't see how um, they're going to lose. I mean, it's going to be close, but I don't know if they're going to really lose to uh, the Ravens here. I am confident in Pittsburgh, but I'm going – I almost think the Ravens are the underdog in this game. It's weird to say, but I'm going to rock with the Ravens. I think someone's got to snap the, the, the undefeated streak. For Pittsburgh, why not the Ravens? Rams versus the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, it's, it's two a time. It's two a time. Fitz magic is done. It's two a time down in, uh, in Miami. Um, this, this is going to be an interesting game. Devontae Parker right now is questionable. Uh, but judging by last week's, last Monday night's game, I'm, I'm going to go with the Rams. This might not even be close. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be close. Rams, Rams is easy for me. Dolphins, again, they're not bad. They have proved they're not a bad football team. Um, they're just but, not ready either. But, yeah, the Rams are just a good football team. They are a much better football team. So, I've got the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> Pats versus the Bills. I mean, we, we may have to start skipping over over the Pats play. This might not be uh, the games worth discussing, but I'm going with the Bills. It's, it's, it's a strange sight to see that the Bills are, are – obviously, they are a much lesser version of what the Pats were in as terms of just dominance in their division. But it is, it is interesting and strange to see the Bills transfer into that. Bills are taking the Pats easily. easily. Do you think that the Jets can jump the Pats at some point? That, I think, is the one game that they can win. I think they can beat New England at home. I think they play on Monday night. Oh, God. I think they can beat New England in MetLife. I think that's the one game they may be able to win. Raiders versus the Browns. Uh Hey, I, I've been high on the Browns all season. You clearly aren't. I'm going with the Browns here. And uh, I think that Baker's going to play better, as previously mentioned in the last episode, where his completion percentage jumps up 4% when Odell's not playing. So I'm going with the Browns here. And I've been high on the Raiders all season. Uh, tough game against the Bucks last week. But Delusional. I think they're going to bounce back. Again, two kind of evenly talented teams. You know, guys, teams that are trying to prove themselves as, you know, playoff-worthy contenders almost in a way so i've got vegas man I, I think why not roll with vegas you think you think Let the, the empire is gonna strike i think so the empire will strike back all right exactly chargers versus the broncos i don't know if this is really much of a discussion either i mean i'm going with the chargers it's yeah kind of straightforward yeah yeah i got yep. the chargers man it's yep. i love herbert i think they're they're taking it 
I think Herbert could win rookie of the year. For yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. chance. Uh, Saints versus the Bears. The Bears getting exposed last week against the Rams for frauds. They're not uh, the Super Bowl contender that some people, shout out to Max Kellerman, thought they would be. So uh, I'm going with the Saints here. I think Drew Brees is going to expose the Bears again. And everyone's going to realize, oh, we're stupid because we thought the Bears would be good. So now we look like idiots. But I'm going with yeah, the Saints. Yeah, the Bears are not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm disappointed. I'm not as high on them as I, as, as I think many other people are and what their record shows. I think the Saints are going to – they have not been as dominant as I thought they were, but they also are missing Michael Thomas for half the season. And look but how they're only going to learn – them. Exactly. They're only going to learn more and more how to keep playing without him. And I think their offense is just too powerful either, either way. So I got New Orleans. 49ers versus the Seahawks, I would say maybe about five years ago when it was Legion of Boom versus oh, man. the Gold Diggers. This is going to be the most impossible game to predict. Game. But um, yeah. given the Niners' situation, they've become an infirmary. Debo is going to be out for some time. Jeff Wilson's out. Mostert is hurt again. And Tevin Coleman, I don't think, is coming back anytime soon. So it's the, the Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Jimmy G show. And the Seahawks, with their wild game last week versus the Cardinals, I think they're going to destroy the, the Niners here. I'm going with the Seahawks. There's no way that they don't wipe the floor with these guys. And I think the Seahawks are going to be friggin' pissed off after losing in overtime to the Cardinals last week. Um, you know, yeah, they, they wanted to stay undefeated as well. Cardinals spoiled their fun. So Seattle's going to come out uh, angry. They're going to want vengeance, and I think they'll get it against the Niners, so Seahawks take it in that game. You know, there's a reason why Russell Wilson's Instagram is Danger Russ Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> oh, my favorite game. Them boys, the Cowboys, are going to play the Eagles this week. Oh, God. baby. I don't even want to pick anybody to win, but I have to. I'm going with the Eagles because just in pure spite of the Cowboys' idiocy. I, I, I don't even want to get into it, so I'm just going with the Eagles. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys stink. I've said that so many times. <laughs> I will keep saying it. I don't like them to begin with, so they stink. Eagles also stink, but they are better. Philly. In our final game, the Monday night game, Bucks versus the Giants. Uh, Nick, their G-men are in for a, they're in for a tough, tough week this week. <laughs> yeah. Playing uh, Tampa Bay. And they're going to Tampa Bay. So, There's not much to talk Joe about. Joe Judge and Danny Dimes, they get to kick it back on the beach a little bit, have some mimosas and some pina coladas. And then they go to get their asses kicked versus Tampa Bay and the Bucks. So uh, I'm going with the Bucks here. But maybe, maybe Danny Dimes recreates his magic from last year and runs in a touchdown and beats them. So <laughs> what was that? Um, no, there is no <laughs> that. That's, I, that's, I was trying to think of something maybe I could say that would, that would change, you know, maybe – what the outcome of this game would be, but I can't. There's, there's nothing. You got a 10 just, out of this. How about that? Yeah. There's your yeah. consolation prize. I just don't think it's possible, man. They're just so much better. You know, that's it. That's it. That's all I got to say. Now we're going to um, jump to the, uh, now, now we're going to jump to the fantasy busts and boom of the week. Nick and I attempt to give fantasy football advice. If you're in a league that has a entry fee of $90, you're insane. And, well, I don't know if you should really be listening to us, but we're going to try our best. Yeah, time. Jesus. So, bust of the week. Nick, I'm going to start with you. Who you got? My bust of the week is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. 
<laughs> yes. I know you like that. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, the, again, the Eagles' defense is not bad. And I, I don't mean that as in there, eh, but they're not bad. Like, not bad as in the complimentary way almost. Um, I, I will never compliment either of those two teams. I hate them both. Um, but Zeke stunk last week. I, I don't really think he's going to do much more this week. I could be wrong, and he, maybe he does go off, but I doubt it. He, I don't think they use him right in Dallas, and I don't think he's as good as he was in his early, early years, the first two years he was in the league. Um, so, yeah, Zeke's my bust. I love that you brought up Zeke and that he's your bust. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I think – do you think there's a chance that, they, that the Cowboys pull uh, – what the Rams did to Todd Gurley and they're just, they just let him go. Uh, I don't think like so. I think, think so? I think it's because Jerry Jones loves him and Dak too much. And I don't know what he's going to do with Dak, but he's, yeah, he loves them too much. I think it's. That stinks. That I really don't think sucks. Letting them go. Dak's like, Dak's probably the only guy I like on the Cowboys. Yeah. Cause he's actually a good quarterback and he may not be able to get paid like he wanted to be. Anyway, my bust this one is going to be – this is – I'm hot taking on this. Lamar Jackson. Wow. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to fare versus the Pittsburgh yeah. run. He's going to be forced to throw it's the ball. A, yeah, it's not a bad uh, – it's not a bad pick. And if you think about it, the Steelers, they got some big dudes in that secondary for, for those positions. They got some big dudes. I mean, Hollywood Brown is literally – he's 5'9". He's shorter than me. I'm 5'10". <laughs> and you're you're what like five nine and three quarters or are you five ten i got him i, I got him five ten i got him yeah, five, hollywood ten. brown is shorter than us and i don't know if he's gonna even do that well either so i might have two busts but lamar is gonna be forced to throw he's gonna have a hard time running uh i don't know if he's gonna be what we expect so i'm going with him for my bust of the week booms nick who you got my boom I don't love this pick, but I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it rolling. My boom is Travis Kelsey. Okay. Um, you know he's either. I think he's either gonna te- catch two touchdowns and I don't know six catches, sixty yards, two touchdowns, something like that. He's playing or, the Jets. <laughs> yeah, or they're just not even gonna need to use him because they're playing the Jets. But I'm gonna take the chances. I, I think they're gonna want to strike first, strike hard, strike early. So Kelsey is kind of the right guy to do that with towards the red zone. <laughs> Jets don't have anyone who can guard him. They don't have anyone who can really guard anyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Travis Kelsey for me. Yeah, Jamison Crowder I think is going to be out. Um, and I, I've, I'm a Jamison Crowder fan. I've been high on Jamison Crowder for a while. But my boom of the week, here's an, you're, you're going to like this one. I think you'll really like this one. Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers, the wide receiver. Um, given that the Seattle secondary was letting Hopkins do his thing, and that's DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. Um, I think Ayuk's going to have a nice little week. You know, I mean, I guess Jamal Adams will be the one guy on him unless they decide to double team Kittle and go with man coverage instead of zone. I don't know what Pete Carroll plans to do in that case, but I'm going with Brandon Ayuk. I think he's going to be a good receiver for some, for some time. And I think this week is going to have a positive impact in uh, how he gets, gets better. So Brandon Ayuk is my boom of the week. Um, Look, we're two, two, and two. I know you're disappointed. No one that you're not in the lead. I'm obviously not happy about that. But um, th- this me- this week might be the separator. Might be. Yeah. Might be. We'll see. Might be. We shall see. 
Hey guys, it's Thomas. If you made it this far to the show, shout out to you for listening all the way to the end. And if you really like our content and enjoy it, please be sure to give us a like and leave us a rating on Spotify. Also, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Five-star rating would be much appreciated. Also, make sure to follow us on the Instagram at the Tantalizing Truth Show. We're always posting content there every day. And until the next episode, see you guys later.